0: Irish fans and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. As always, I am your host, Alex Painter. I hope this episode, the 22nd in show history, finds you all safe and well in mind, body, and spirit. You know what? Some sports happened over the past week and we're going to talk about it fairly in depth. Yes, I am talking about the National Football League's annual draft. It obviously looked a whole lot different than what we're accustomed to, but I think they did a pretty good job with the program under the circumstances. So without any live sports contests anyways going on right now, I hope this episode about the draft can kind of curb you over here for just a little bit. So before we begin the formal program, let's knock out some routine housekeeping as we traditionally do. So first bit of housekeeping takes us to a completely different Notre Dame sport. Women's basketball, as it was announced on April 22nd, 2020, head coach Muffet McGraw is stepping down from the position and taking a well-deserved retirement. I'm not sure if it was widely known, if this was going to happen, but I had no clue. It took me completely by surprise. So let's pay some homage here. Let's pay some homage to McGraw. So she has been with the Notre Dame women's basketball program as head coach since the 1987-88 season. Essentially, she has been at Notre Dame since I was, get this, 20 days old. She was announced as coach on May 18th, 1987, and I was born on April 28th of that year. So in her 32 seasons as Notre Dame's head women's basketball coach, McGraw compiled 905 wins versus just 272 losses, which is good for almost a 77 winning percentage. So nine Final Fours, seven championship game appearances, and two national titles. So the first one was in 2001. Where if you go to the basketball offices in the Joyce Center, the women's basketball office that is, there is a huge piece of the floor in the lobby from that game that they won. It's pretty cool and you can kind of just see it from the window even if the office isn't open. And so, and of course, that remarkable 2018 championship run culminating in defeating the Yukon women's basketball team, the much vaunted Yukon women's basketball team with that incredible last second shot. If you haven't seen it or you forgot, go to YouTube. My goodness. And then they won a three-point game against uh, the Mississippi State in the championship game. So so essentially, as the ACC network put it, there will never be another Muffet McGraw. So for what it's worth, the Irish women's basketball team doesn't seem to be slowing. They've actually landed two five-star recruits in just the last couple weeks. And Niel Ivey, who was coached by McGraw during her playing career at Notre Dame and who spent several seasons as McGraw's associate head coach before joining the Memphis Grizzlies last year of the NBA, has formally taken the reins of the program. So this is an exciting prospect, and there is no doubt that McGraw's fingerprints will remain on the program for a very long time. So thank you, coach, and congrats on the retirement, and please try to enjoy it. All right, and I hope everyone had a chance to listen to episode 21, which chronicled the story of how the seminal Notre Dame movie, and let's be honest, sports movie, Rudy, about one walk-on's journey through Notre Dame and the football program through the era Parsegian and Dan Devineers was made. So not the amazing story that actually happens on the screen, but rather the story of what it took to get that movie onto the silver screen for all of us to enjoy. So, regardless of how you feel about the movie or Rudy Rudiger himself, uh, I thought it was a very, very interesting story. And I think it's, you gotta say that the guy, Rudiger that is, is hyper determined and has an absolute motor on him, to use a football term, anyways. He literally stopped at nothing to get his story out there. And the last episode detailed that fairly well, I think. So, the episode before that, was about Joe Montana in the 1979 Cotton Bowl classic where Montana, who was ill at the time fueled in part by a bowl of chicken soup, led the Irish to an improbable 23-point fourth quarter comeback win. All right, so a special couple special thank yous, pardon me, are in order. So first to the show's consensus all-Americans. A super special sect of show listeners who support the efforts monetarily and keep it 100% advertisement free for all of us to enjoy. So first up is Brad Glazer of Williamsburg, Indiana. Brad and I are practically neighbors here in the Hoosier State, just living about a county apart. So thank you again, Brad. And a special thank you to Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, who is the show's most recent Consensus All-American. So in keeping with show tradition, since Brad and Michael are the 4th and 6th Consensus All-Americans respectively, they have been assigned Elmer Layden and Bud Boehringer, the real life 4th and 6th Consensus All-Americans for the Notre Dame football program. So thank you again to both Brad and Michael. And just as a reminder, any of the funds directed to the show in this manner, 100% of them go directly back into the show. So more on the Consensus All-American program here in a moment. As always, thank you to Joseph Rakish, who allows this song to use his song, Knut Rockney as our theme song. You can find the jam on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much wherever you listen to your music. So make sure you give it a spin. Add it to your pregame playlist or your Irish hype playlist, whatever it is. Make sure you give it a spin. So if you dig the show, this is ultra important. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, it's the purple icon. You can find the show also on Spotify or Podbean at onwardtovictory.podbean.com. Or Podbean also has a mobile app. So please like, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to make sure you're getting notified of all the new episodes. Please interact with the show on the Facebook page at facebook.com onwardtovictory You can send the show an email at at onwardtovictorypodcast, pardon me, at gmail.com. If you'd like to name yourself to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American list and join loyal sons Brad and Michael or become a loyal son and daughter yourself, so to speak, you can do so very simply. A $10 donation to the show will sponsor a couple episodes and get your name called out as a Consensus All-American over the air. You can donate at paypal.me slash onwardtovictory for a one-time donation, or if you feel so compelled to donate a certain amount per month, please visit patreon.com slash victory podcast. And I hope you all know that any support is greatly appreciated. Episode 22. So per show tradition, let's assign the episode a representative who wore number 22 for the Irish. So, for example, last episode, number 21 was the Maurice Stovall episode, who wore number 21 for the Irish spectacularly, I might add, from 2002 to 2005. But number 22 has a quite a few good ones here, too, and you really don't have to venture too far back in Notre Dame history to find them. So this episode could be the Harrison Smith episode, defensive back from 2008 to 2011, He actually had seven interceptions as a junior in 2010, so he was drafted in the first round by the Vikings and has been named to five Pro Bowls, and once he was named an All-Pro. This could also be the Asmar Bilal episode, linebacker from 2015 through 2019. The Indianapolis Ben Davis High School product had 79 tackles with 10 tackles for loss last season really good season for him and it was fun to watch because he was very heavily criticized going into that particular season and he is definitely one of the guys who really stepped up and made the defense pretty good last year so uh, more on him actually here a little later so Julius Jones this could be the Julius Jones episode he was a running back for the Irish from 1999 to 2003 he spent eight years in the NFL most famously with the Dallas Cowboys and he is still the sixth leading rusher in school history When he graduated, he was actually fourth. He's been passed in the meantime by Darius Walker and Josh Adams. And finally, how about the Phil Carter episode? Another running back. He was kind of the heir apparent to Vegas Ferguson, a good running back from Richmond, Indiana back in the 70s. So he is still ninth in the program in history, uh, excuse me, in program history for rushing. But when he graduated, he only trailed the recently graduated Vegas Ferguson and aforementioned Vegas Ferguson and Jerome Heavens in the career rushing marks. So he would have been 3rd. So after carefully considering all of the candidates and if you think I missed one or if I did miss one, I should say, please let me know. I will make sure I amend it in the next show. But I think this one has to go to Harrison Smith, an exceedingly fun athlete to watch and given he was widely considered and still in some circles is widely considered the absolute best at his position in the NFL ranks, paired with a outstanding college career first round pick, which is a pretty cool thing for a Notre Dame product to be here. So Harrison Smith episode, here we go. So right after this, we're gonna break down the 2020 NFL draft. So let's talk then about the new landing spots for your former Irish football players and as well as some of the top candidates to replace them whenever football resumes back in South Bend. So stay on the line and we'll be right back. So the 85th annual National Football League draft kicked off on April 23rd, 2020. While it was supposed to be held in the Las Vegas area, it obviously went completely remote and virtual due to the health crisis. But unlike last year, when defensive tackle Jerry Tillery went number 28 overall to the Los Angeles Chargers, the Irish didn't have a player selected in the first round. This really wasn't much of a surprise to myself or most of the draft pundits and probably most of you as well. Not surprisingly, LSU signal caller Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner, was selected by the Cincinnati Bengals first overall. So the first day of the draft covers only round one, so the former Irish players and Irish faithful would have to wait just a bit longer to hear some of their names called. But April 24th, day two, got underway and which covered the second and third rounds. So the Irish actually got into the action pretty early as a duo of pass catchers are grabbed in the second round. Cole Komet, ranked by many as the best tight end in the draft, goes to the Chicago Bears at number 43. And Chase Claypool, who was virtually a guy that, let's be honest, nobody was really talking about until the scouting combine, until it really kind of lit the thing on fire, was selected just six picks later by the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 49. So post-combine, these two typically held the two highest draft grades of any of the Irish players, so it was fairly appropriate that they were the first two from the team that were selected. So Komet is expected to be the Bears' tight end of the future. However, in the interim period, he's going to be pairing up with veteran five-time Pro Bowler Jimmy Graham. I think Cole is going to make an immediate impact and probably probably winning the tight end job outright, or at the very least, frequently spelling Graham out there. Uh, Graham's getting up there in age. I can't believe I'm saying this because he's only 33, but I guess that's getting up there in age. But it also doesn't feel like he should be 33 years old. But the Bears are clearly wanting to give quarterback Mitchell Trubisky a young, viable, versatile pass catcher, which Cole clearly is in spades. So... As for Claypool, he will definitely have a chance to compete for one of the top three to five wide receiver positions on the Steelers, and given his second-round status, he'll probably be pushed to the field pretty early and often. Uh, What's nice about Claypool, kind of what, uh, less less here on the former, but definitely more on the latter, is that he can use his big body over the middle or stretch the field down the sidelines. He's got that speed, and he's deceptively fast, I think, Uh, I think is what we found in Um, honestly, yeah, he didn't go over the middle as much, but he can definitely stretch the field, but he is big enough that he can go over the middle a bit as an NFLer, but uh, I do see him becoming uh, a big third down option for Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. So moving into the third round, defensive end Julian Aquara joins his brother, former Irish player himself, Romeo Aquara in Detroit as the Lions selected Julian with the 67th overall pick. So I guess I'd be remiss not to mention the fact that you can go online and find a video of Julian receiving the call from the Lions. It's really emotional and frankly quite amazing. But Julian will also have the opportunity to compete for a starting spot immediately. He's a physical pass rusher, which every NFL team could always go for, and he called the opportunity to play with his brother a dream come true since this would be the first time that they have had that opportunity, since they didn't overlap in either high school or college. So can you imagine that? And with that, three Irish players were taken off the board in day two of the draft. So as we know, as we know, there are still really good Irish players available heading into the third and final day of the draft, which started on April 25th, 2020. And day three covered rounds four through seven. So, the highlights of day three include defensive back Troy Pride Jr., being picked in the fourth round, pick 113, by the Carolina Panthers. He didn't have to wait too terribly long, as he was the seventh pick of the day. So, Pride, as this Irish faithful know, is blazing fast, and he ran a 4 4 at the combine. So, like many of his other former teammates who were also drafted, Pride Jr. will also have an opportunity to showcase his skills pretty early. I picked this up from the USA Today. Quote, This pick may be the biggest single X factor in deciding how successful this draft is for the Carolina Panthers. Pride will be under more pressure to perform than anyone else in this class, end quote. So he will have that opportunity to get out on the field. And frankly, he's one that I'm excited for. And I mean, if not anything else, he'll definitely probably see some time in nickel or dime packages and certainly out there on special teams. Defensive end Khaled Kareem was picked by the Cincinnati Bengals with the first pick of the fifth round. So with a good camp, he should find himself in the defensive line rotation for the Bengals. And he will fit right in, I think. And let's be honest here, the Bengals need all the help they can get at this point. I don't say that just because I'm a Browns fan. They really do. So the sixth and final pick from Notre Dame in the draft ranks as my absolute favorite Irish player of the last two years safety Alohi Gilman who was selected by the Los Angeles Chargers at number 186 overall. So all I got to say is this. The Chargers absolutely got a winner there and a steal I think at number 186. Uh more in the char- of the about the Chargers Irish connection here in a moment. But yes, as I mentioned, I am an Alohi Gilman fan and he should come in and make some special teams and I hope compete for a spot in the defensive backfield. He has got all of the intangibles that you want in, in someone playing uh, in the defensive backfield as far as being a vocal leader, and but also backing it up with, with some serious plays. He's got a nose for the ball, and he was everywhere the last couple years. I loved watching him play. So with six picks in this last NFL draft here, the 2020 draft, only eight other schools had more picks than the Irish this year. So also by way of a press release from the school – Quote, with six players selected in the 2020 NFL draft, Notre Dame football has totaled 511 draft picks over the tenure of the program. No other college football program has totaled more than the Irish, end quote. So I guess congrats to all of us. We have officially passed the USC Trojans as the school with the most draft picks in NFL history. So USC had two players picked over the long weekend. So take that. So notably, not all the Irish departed Irish players were drafted. So here are some of the undrafted free agents. So running back Tony Jones Jr. was signed by the New Orleans Saints. Edge rusher Jameer Jones signed with the Houston Texans. And wide receiver Chris Fink signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Safety Jalen Elliott joined the Aquaras with Detroit as he was assigned by the Lions. And reserve cornerback Dante Vaughn and starting middle linebacker last year, Asmar Bilal, signed contracts with the Chargers. So the Chargers drafted Gilman and signed Vaughn and Bilal this season. Last year, they drafted Jerry Tillery, defensive tackle, and rover Drew Tranquil, signed punter Newsom as well, who is now with the Chiefs. So all those guys will join defensive lineman Isaac Rochelle, who was joined by the Chargers in 2018. So seven guys who have had a connection uh, to the Chargers from Notre Dame in just the last three seasons, which I think is pretty astounding. Pretty cool indeed. So moving on, I'm going to give you Irish fans the name of one current or who or two, depending on the, how many players we're losing from that position group, who could replace the players we have lost in the draft and free agency period signing. So I will stop short of a full-blown preview because, naturally, I will do an extensive preview episode when the season gets closer, as I did last year. So, okay, tight end, Cole Komet. Who's going to replace Cole? This one's actually pretty easy. Um, And some of you might know exactly where I'm going to go with this. Expect rising junior Tommy Tremble to step in at the tight end, at, at tight end one, so to speak, the first string tight end. He has good size for a pass catcher, I suppose, but isn't quite as good of a blocker as Cole. But he is very athletic. So he had 16 catches last year, and he found the end zone on four of them. So he's And he made some a- athletic catches. And he will almost assuredly, given the fact that Fink is gone, Claypool is gone, and of course Komet's gone, he probably, out of all the returning pass catchers, has among the most rapport with quarterback Ian book. And so he will be a favorite. I can almost, I would put money on that, that he will be a favorite of Ian whenever football gets packed going. So let's speaking of pass catchers, let's jump to receivers, Chris, excuse me, Chris Fink and Chase Claypool. And let's kind of lump those into one. So I'm going to give you two names, one that uh, is familiar and one that may be a little less familiar. Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek. So these are just two names of the 15 wideouts currently on the roster. McKinley and Skoranek were chosen due to their seniority. So McKinley is a senior who should be ready to make that leap and really help the position group and program out. He had a couple good games last year, but mostly against really substandard opponents. Now, he did have one of his touchdowns against Michigan, but most of his catches came uh, against Bowling Green or New Mexico. And so I think he is ready to make the jump, make the jump and become a stalwart receiver for the program. Now, Skoronic is a Fort Wayne native and a transfer from Northwestern University. He is now a graduate student at Notre Dame. And it is a, I am of the opinion that this could be a hugely underrated get for the program, especially due to the timing. So Skoranek is a big body, 6'3", 215 pounds. So just a tick tick smaller and a tick shorter than Chase Claypool. But Skoranek has proven track record. In 43 games at Northwestern, he totaled 110 catches and 8 touchdowns. So he, again, when it comes to timing... He will be a welcome addition to the wide receiver core, which was completely depleted by the draft and, as I mentioned, the subsequent free agent signing period. So again, now, Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek. And these aren't the only two guys, but however, since we lost two receivers, I just picked two. Uh, I think there's plenty of other candidates who, uh, is, whether tight end and receiver, who are going to come in and make an impact next year? Who maybe are kind of coming out of the blue? But again, we've got we've got time to cover that later. So the defensive line. Let's move to it. Bookend bookended last year by Julian Okwara and Khalid Kareem. They were both drafted, as we just mentioned. So two names, both should be semi-familiar. All right. So I give you Junior, Jason Alola, and of course. Fifth-year senior, Daylon Hayes. So Adam Alola had 25 tackles last season with four stops in the backfield. Of course, he has a brother on the team. And just as a side note, uh, when I had when I went to the New Mexico game last year, I actually saw his parents uh, walking uh, around because they had uh, jerseys on. That's uh, Jason's mom and all that. But anywho, so Hayes decided last year that he will be back for a fifth year and he is proven, and he's going to provide a lot of leadership and a veteran presence on a fairly young line, but he has logged 14 and a half tackles for loss in his Irish career, so like I said, not only is he a veteran, but he's a proven veteran, so despite losing Jameer Jones, Julian Acquara, Cal Kareem, I think the defensive line has incredible depth, and I think that there were a lot of guys who got a lot of time last year who I think a lot of people are sleeping on. And I'm excited to see how some of these youngsters step up. So again, despite losing our starting ends, which is typically something that is debilitating for a college program, I do believe this position group is trending up. There's a couple really good first years coming in. Uh, There's one from Germany who seems like kind of maybe a long-term project, but a very, very good athlete. And like I said, I think the position is truly, just very secretively, very deep. So again, I do believe this position group is trending up. So let's shift to the defensive backfield, Who are who is, I should say, losing stalwarts Alohi Gilman, Troy Pride, and again, reserve corner Dante Vaughn. So a name I'm going to push forward and I do this somewhat hesitantly and I'll explain why here in a minute, but I'll push forward Swiss army knife of the program, Avery Davis and show favorite Houston Griffith, as well as rising junior Tariq Bracy, as possible candidates to replace the losses. Now I look for a guy like Davis provided he doesn't experience another position change to be the leader, not just of the defensive backfield, but of the entire defense So if you're otherwise unaware, and this is why I said I'm hesitant to push him forward just because, well, Davis was recruited to play quarterback in 2017, okay? He flipped to running back in 2018, and then he opened the 2019 season as a cornerback before moving to receiver. I love this guy, and I cheer resoundingly for his success he has played in three he has played four positions in three years between quarterback, running back, cornerback and receiver. And frankly, you just don't see guys who come out of high school as highly acclaimed and recruited as Davis who are as flexible and team oriented. You don't see that every day. And you know what? He should be applauded. So Again, uh, Houston Griffith, I think he's a guy who I was actually looking for him last year to make a a seismic leap, and he didn't see the field as much, but that's okay. I think that seismic leap is coming this year, and Tariq Bracey's a guy who saw quite a bit of time last year, and now he's going to be pushed up the depth chart due due to the losses. So those are the three guys. Again, Avery Davis provided that, shoot, when camp breaks, he still is a cornerback. Houston Griffith, and Tariq Bracey. So keep those names in mind as replacements to those players who have moved on. So again, some of those will probably be pretty familiar, others maybe less familiar. But either way, I speak only for myself here. I am so excited for football. I am super excited for the Irish season and there is just no two ways about that. All right, so we're gonna continue here on the other side of the break with something a little bit different. We're gonna talk a little bit about the spirit of Notre Dame. I'm gonna read an excerpt from a book that I was just able to get my hands on about what alum, and very famous Notre Dame alum, Regis Philbin believes the spirit of Notre Dame to be. And we're gonna have a bit of a contest as well, kind of a giveaway. So I hope everyone wants to participate in this because I think it's a really fun discussion to have. So hang with me here and we will be right all right, so... Let's talk about the spirit of Notre Dame, and unlike most of the things that I do here, aside from this excerpt I'm going to read, this is fairly unscripted. But if you're a loyal listener to the show, then you know that I've used this quote quite a few times probably over show history, and that's one of my favorite ones from Joe Theismann, who's a former quarterback at Notre Dame, and that's, quote, "'If you could find a way to bottle the Notre Dame spirit.'" you could light up the universe, end quote. And that is unequivocally one of my favorite quotes surrounding Notre Dame football because I believe it to be very true. But spirit is not a necessarily tangible thing. And I think that's why I kind of struggle with this idea that I love the spirit of Notre Dame. But what is the spirit of Notre Dame? What is it? Surely I agree with Theismann that if you could bottle it, It truly could light up the universe. I didn't go to Notre Dame. And uh, other than growing up uh, in Northern Indiana and being a fan of the football team, I otherwise don't have any true connection with the university. But I still always feel like I am inexorably connected with it because I do follow the football team and and really all the sports teams in the university so closely. And I can't help but think that's because of the spirit. The spirit draws you in. So... I got a new book called The Spirit of Notre Dame by brother duo Jim and Jeremy Langford. And I thought it was interesting. So if you'll allow me to read to you for just a few, just a minute, maybe two. The foreword was written by Regis Philbin, who is, of course, a Notre Dame alum. Very famous one, class of 1953. So he wrote the foreword, as I mentioned, and he kind of poses a very open-ended question. It goes as follows. Quote, what is the spirit of Notre Dame? That's a tough one. It's so difficult to explain. You really have to be there to walk the campus to feel it, to understand it, to be influenced by it. There were nights when I first arrived there, and incidentally, it was my first stop ever west of the Hudson River, when I actually thought I felt the spirits of those who had preceded me. Those nights when I walked the campus in my freshman year were mesmerizing. I never got over it. There was something there, something in the air. Something that made you feel better. Something that made you want to be better. And through the years, it has never changed for me. Every time I go back to Notre Dame, it's there. And I'm not ashamed to tell you I get quite emotional, even teary-eyed. I stand on the main quad, look in every direction... And I am filled with awe. I have brought New York City cops back as my guests, show business personalities, Catholic priests, people of every religion. And they feel it too. They understand. There is a difference. So he goes on on to say that this book will hopefully define the spirit of Notre Dame better for you. But if you ever have a chance to go to Notre Dame, walk the campus. You'll feel it. You'll get it. And maybe someday you'll even be able to explain it to me. End quote. Regis Philbin, class of 1953. So the question I want to pose to everybody is very simple. To you, what is the spirit of Notre Dame? What drew you in and keeps you coming back? Is it tradition? Is it your family? Is it your faith? Is it... George Gipp is it Canute Rockney is it the golden dome the grotto the basilica the golden helmets running out onto the football field at the house that Rockney built what is it so what do you think is the spirit of Notre Dame so here's the deal send me a facebook message and if you're not okay with me sharing it and you just want to share it with the show privately that's perfectly fine however i'd really like to to Take some uh, a few minutes and just read what I hear, uh, what I hear back from you all uh, in the coming weeks. So to you, what is the spirit of Notre Dame? What does that mean to you? So send the show a Facebook message uh, on the Facebook page. Send the show an email, onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. Again, I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to read those. I think it's a really noteworthy pursuit here. Uh, to really connect and bond over again, what we think makes Notre Dame special, and what is the spirit of the place to you all? And I'll be happy. I'll have something prepared myself to share next episode as well. So if you share your thoughts with me, share your thoughts with the show. Uh, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna have a drawing. I'll do it live over the air next episode. Um, and. I'll make sure that if, if I draw your name, I might even draw a couple names. Uh, make sure you get some Notre Dame and show swag and happy to do it. I just want to, I want us to kind of have a bit of a conversation about this because I do think that it's a very multi-layered, multi-faceted question. And I think it's a really special one that Notre Dame in particular, in particular, Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans can ask of ourselves. And I think everyone's answer is going to be truly different. Might not be. Might not be, uh, there, well, first of all, there is no wrong answer. There can't be a wrong answer. So don't hesitate to share. And like I said, if you want to be anonymous or if you don't want me to share it over the air, just let me know. But please send the show a message and let's make this a noteworthy and very meaningful pursuit, shall we? And again, you might win something as a result. Uh, But really, that should about do it here for the Harrison Smith episode, episode 22. It's coming in as one of maybe the shorter ones in show history, and I think that's okay. I'm sure you all don't mind. But coming down the pike here very, very soon, we'll have a a presidential episode. We are in an election year after all, and I promise you I'll stay away from modern politics. However... One of my favorite presidents, John F. Kennedy, was inexorably connected with the university and actually kind of the football program as well. So that deserves an episode. Absolutely. Uh, We've got plenty of George Gipp fun this year as well. I've got a bunch of them planned, a bunch of George Gipp episodes planned, or at least maybe a couple big ones. Because, of course, we are coming up on the 100th anniversary of his magical 1920 campaign campaign. And if you're a listener of the show, you know how much I love George Gipps. So it all kind of works out that way. Uh, I've got some other really exciting ones coming down the pike as well. As well as, uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, working on something about the Notre Dame Victory March and kind of the origin story and kind of a mystery surrounding perhaps the most famous college football fight song in the land. So I'm really excited to share that stuff with you. And as I mentioned before, please don't hesitate to. Reach out to the show with any thoughts or anything that you'd like to share. And speaking of sharing, I got a message actually from David Yingling, who messaged the show on Facebook. He lives in Johnstown, Pennsylvania which sits on the western part of the state, which we've actually spent quite a bit of time on. Uh, time around, I should say, in this show, given some of the uh, episodes, one about Joe Montana and one about Jim Mutchler here recently. But he sent the show a message message, excuse me, that said, a huge fan of the show, just started listening, but I love it from top to bottom. I like all the episodes and are super interesting. Two of my favorites so far are the Knut Rockne conspiracy theory and the one about jumping Joe Sivaldi. Which, man, that happens to just be one of my favorites, too. But um, he actually kind of mentioned and he kind of agreed with me uh, in the sense that Sivaldi definitely is a guy who needs a movie made about his life. But he did say he even checked out Augie's locker room online and went out and bought a Jeff Samarja signed helmet. And so... Uh, First of all, thank you for doing that, David, and if anyone's out there, please feel free to take a page out of David's book and support Augie's Locker Room. They do online sales and all that, since I know that uh, not a lot of people are out traveling right now, so, but anyways, but he says, but seriously, I love the podcast, and so we've actually been striking up a bit of a correspondence talking about the show and about Notre Dame, and uh, David, I really appreciate the message, sincerely, and thank you so much for listening, and thank you even more for reaching out, so, Again, thank you to the Consensus All-Americans, Brad of Williamsburg, Indiana, and of course, Michael of Rutherford, New Jersey. So they are Consensus All-Americans. They help keep the show ad-free and continue to progress and move forward and all that so thank you again can't do it without you now if you're not in a position particularly now where you can make any monetary donations to say your friendly neighborhood notre dame football podcast i understand a lot of the ways that you can help the show are absolutely free i'm very proud to say that the Show's listening base has expanded greatly over the last probably six months or so. We've had listeners in 38 states now and 13 countries. So I'm very proud to say that. But I have to say that probably a lot of that is due to a lot of word of mouth. And so and a lot of you all sharing the podcast uh, episode links with your friends and your family or anyone who might be interested in this kind of thing. So don't hesitate to do that. Like Share, subscribe, comment, send the show a message—all of the above. It's all super helpful, and it's also very kind of, on a, uh, for a very selfish standpoint, very reaffirming uh, for me. So, so I reckon we can kind of close this off. So please don't forget send the show a message or an email. What you think the spirit of Notre Dame is, or what the spirit of Notre Dame means to you? And this has been Onward to Victory a Notre Dame football podcast, episode 22, the Harrison Smith episode. And as always, in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And until next time, go Irish!